Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Radio Pulso, also known as the Boyle Heights Beat Podcast. My name is April Aguilera, and I'm so excited to be back for my second podcast. And for those who do not know me, I am now a senior at Lincoln High School, who also happens to represent Ramona Gardens. I have been part of the Boyle Heights Beat for about a year now, and I'm currently working on my second story about the Ramona Gardens community. And joining me today is my co-host, Ethan Fernandez. Let the listeners know how you're doing on this fine afternoon, Ethan. What's up, April? I'm doing great on this Friday afternoon. This is my first time co-hosting, so I'm incredibly excited. And just to share a little bit more about myself, I was born in East Los Angeles and grew up there. Right now, I'm attending Francisco Bravo Medical Magnet High School, and I'm a youth reporter for Boyle Heights Beat. I've written two news articles so far, one about the lack of funding of my school, and another about the reuse of the famous General Hospital building. My family is from Boyle Heights, and I feel an important connection with the neighborhood. Wow, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and just very quickly, we want our audience to know that we're a radio program and podcast brought to you by the community news outlet, Boyle Heights Beat. This is a program that trains local high school students to publish a community newspaper, and it also happens to produce this very own podcast, hence us being here today. And so, what do we have going on today, Ethan? Well, April, for this month, we're focusing on Hispanic or Latinx Heritage Month to highlight some pretty cool people from our community. In the past month, the month was just named Hispanic Heritage Month, but in some places, people have been starting to call it Latin or Latinx Heritage Month in order to include non-Spanish-speaking Latin countries and to be gender-inclusive. Latinx Heritage Month is celebrated from September 15th to October 15th to highlight and honor accomplishments and uplift issues of Latinx people. Being that we are in Boyle Heights, it's important that we highlight the accomplishments and work that our people are doing in the community. It's also important to support small businesses and upcoming artists from our community. Today we'll be interviewing Miguel Estrada from the band Earringers and Elianette Romero from Las Niñas Fresitas. Hi everyone, we're here with Miguel and Daniel from the Earringers. The Earringers is an indie rock band from East Los Angeles that formed in 2017. Miguel Angel Estrada started playing guitar at 11 years old and was heavily influenced by rock music. His influences are bands such as Scorpions, The Beatles, and Two Door Cinema Club. Currently he is the frontman for the band. Daniel Romo is the bassist for Earringers. Starting at 12 years old, his original influences range from punk acts like Green Day to more progressive rock bands like Rush. Today he is studying at Cal State Dominguez Hills with the intention of receiving a bachelor's degree in music education. He plans to pursue a master's degree in the future and hopes to continue working in Earringers as a touring musician. In current events, the band is set to release their debut album, Heart Therapy, Friday, October 7th, 2022. Don't forget to check it out. Hi, Miguel and Daniel. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come to talk to us. I'm a huge fan of your music and excited to highlight your band for Latinx Heritage Month. And I'll be starting with my first question, which is, where do you guys grow up and what school do you guys go to? Uh, well, first things first, thank you so much for having us, guys. We're very happy to be here. And um, all right. Um, well, I grew up in Boyle Heights and East L.A. Um, I went to school and uh, let's say like, you know, I went to a lot of schools around the community, Euclid Avenue, uh, Stevenson Middle School and Esteban Torres High School. And uh, yeah, man, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and I grew up. Uh, I grew up on Grove and right off right off Whittier Boulevard. I also went to Torres. That's kind of where we started playing a lot around the school and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what inspired you guys to create music? Uh, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, what's it called? Uh, there's a there's a band called Scorpions. They're uh, like a very. Uh, they're like a, a heavy rock band from uh, the 80s, and um, I just would see them play on stage. They brought high energy, and um, the vocalist's name is Klaus Main, and 
he very much inspired me how you know how he controls people how much of a very good frontman he is so um yeah those that that inspired me to play guitar and to sing okay yeah. and how long ago was that that i was like 11 years old man that must oh, have been wow. like 12 13 years ago <laughs> yeah i'm 24 now man so that was a while back <laughs> yeah then uh for me uh so I got started on bass because my sister played guitar when mm. she was about like 14 years old. And I originally wanted to play drums, but she wanted someone to play guitar and bass with. Yeah. So she got me turned on to Green Day, which was uh, like I got turned on to Mike Durant from Green Day. And then she was able to switch me over from drums to bass. And then <laughs> I picked it up when I was about 12 years old after begging my parents. <laughs> and then uh, I just never looked back. I'm, I'm a bass player through and through now. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. I actually saw Green Day yeah. about a year ago. Yeah, uh, it was it was, was, it was pretty good. It was with Weezer too. Oh, <laughs> was that the Dodger Stadium? Yeah, was yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. That's tight, bro. That's tight. Jealous, man. Yeah. We, have, we have yet to see Green Day. That's an act we want to yeah, see. That's <laughs> yeah, that's on. For sure, gotta go see him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the next question is: How are the earrings created? Uh, we we started we started in 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 high school. Um, pretty much like. Um, Myself, Jesus, our guitar player, Daphnet, our keyboardist, and uh, Daniel, we kind of like started out uh, playing like together. And then later, you know, uh, David, David before was already in the band, like filling in, but he was in another band permanently. Later he joined. And, um, you know, we were just starting out playing covers, man. You mm -hmm. know, um, you know, I think like a lot of bands start out playing covers and uh, sure. eventually we just started writing our own music. And, you know, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. Early days were like a lot of Spanish rock covers. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, man, you get paid so much to yeah, do the Spanish yeah. thing. Yeah, and then uh, <coughs> we also doing like indie rock covers, like Two Door Cinema Club. Mm -hmm. That was a lot of our early stuff, a lot of our early influences mm -hmm. for yeah. sure. Yeah. So and then um, the um, yeah, pretty much that we were just jamming, you know, at his house most of the time, Daniel's house, and uh, you know, we we would always be cranking up the the volume. Off, you know, <laughs> like you know when we were a lot younger so mm -hmm. we didn't really know about like volume control so uh you know daniel would you know say things like oh my ears are ringing hence the name ear ringers. <laughs> yeah and yeah. uh yeah that's pretty much how it happened man <laughs> yeah. i annoyed so many of our neighbors yeah <laughs> so yeah their ears yeah. are probably ringing too <laughs> yeah the yeah. whole neighborhood was ringing yeah man <laughs> and how do you th speaking of neighborhood how do you think the community you grew up in impacted your music Hmm, that's a damn good question. Okay? <laughs> um, well, you know, I would say that I think we really inherited a lot of like the DIY nature of our community. Mm -hmm. where, yeah. Like we do everything ourselves, just like everyone else. Like we've we've worked for everything we've gotten. Yeah. I don't, we haven't ever like been given anything the easy way. Yeah, like we've been overlooked plenty of times, but mm -hmm. we always just we just kept going and we always had that mentality like if we just work and work and yeah. work, we're gonna get there. You know. Yeah. So I for sure feel like. Our community, that aspect of our community definitely implanted on us. Mm -hmm. yeah. Being persistent, yeah. Yeah, and I'd like to add on, you know, like I feel like our community is full of very hardworking people, especially because, you know, I think a lot of the people here in Boyle Heights, East LA, are of, uh, you know, immigrants, you mm -hmm. know, a lot of them. You know, I know m my parents are immigrants, you know, um, your parents are immigrants as well. Um, and, um, th well, the band members' parents are immigrants, you mm -hmm. know, they came from, from Mexico. So um, I think that very much inspired, you know, us to, you know, be hardworking because we saw that in our parents. And, well, 
you know, like you said, we were overlooked, but, you know, we didn't take no for an answer. There was a lot of opportunities that were, you know, um, uh, we had to work for and we got them, you know, yeah. just because we were persistent on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I agree. Bow Heights full of persistent people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> sure, yeah. And I was recently watching one of your guys live videos, the let me in live video. Yeah. And I noticed it was filmed in like a pretty small space. And do you want to like talk about where that was? Uh, that was at our friend Jose. Shout out Jose from Lydian Arrow. <laughs> uh, shout out the boys in Lydian Arrow. That that was uh, my homie's uh, you know garage space, mm -hmm. and uh, we just decided to film it. Like uh, we were, we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> at the time. Like because we were trying to submit for like a tiny desk yeah. thing, mm -hmm. but uh, <laughs> that, that it was just out of the the, the uh, cell phone. So. It wasn't such great quality recorded, but, you know, we did what we had to do. <laughs> and you guys we, did it well. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Appreciate yeah. It. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that was in, in East LA, man. That was, like, on by Whittier Boulevard and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, man, we, we just walked in. We're like, let's film it. Let's <laughs> yeah, uh, nothing was hooked up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, straight out of the phone. <laughs> and yeah. where do you guys usually record your music now? Um, uh, we worked with... Uh, Basically for like what the past Six, five years. Five years. Yeah. yeah, we've been working with the same guy. His name is uh, Jonathan Mireles. He goes by uh, Audio Mag Productions. That's yeah. his company. Um, we basically just go to his apartment and record mm -hmm. out of his. He has all his gear there. Yeah, his entire setup. Like, I know it sounds cheap, but like he has like <laughs> thousands and thousands yeah, of dollars, dollars worth, of, worth gear. of gear. He's actually the guy who um, recorded, who worked with Kendrick Lamar's latest album. He also worked in. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly's uh, Tickets to My Downfall. He was involved yeah. in that. and yeah. uh, He works with yeah. uh, Travis Barker. Like, yeah. Full time. Oh, wow. Yeah. But and, um, he's been our guy. But we knew him before. He, yeah, he before made it to that. that. <laughs> yeah. Because so, yeah. Yeah, I met him when I was like I was like 15. Yeah, it was 2017. I was like 18. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we've been, we've been working so. with him ever since, you know. Because he had a, there was definitely a difference in quality, you mm -hmm. know, in, um, in, our, in our music from, you know, our, early recordings so uh we stuck with him and you know the way we uh make music with him you know it's uh it's been pretty good you know like yeah. it, it mm -hmm. took off pretty well yeah yeah that's yeah. great yeah <laughs> yeah do you know how some of your fan base discovered your music <clears throat> um we just played backyard shows like non-stop yeah, for years for, and yeah. Years. like we did all that legwork <laughs> yeah <laughs> man much. we did all that we played the <laughs> The bar gigs, the backyard yeah. shows. Um, we did, you know, the parties and stuff. Uh, like House of ABU, too. When yeah. I was there, yeah. I saw <laughs> you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I think uh, when we dropped Let Me In, that really, like, got our name out a lot more. Yeah. That's our biggest song to this day. Yeah. It has, like, close to 400,000 streams and stuff. And yeah. is that when you guys felt like you made it, like, as, like, a band? Um, I mean, it definitely felt rewarding, but, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like... We're at a different level from where we started, mm -hmm. you know, for sure. But, I mean, I think, you know, we're still, there's still a lot of room for us to grow, yeah. you know. And, uh, but it's definitely, uh, a, like, impactful the way we've grown um, naturally. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, because it's been word of mouth from people. It's been them being there randomly at our shows. Uh, we got this one story where... Uh, a guy, you know, bought uh, a car and our CD was in there randomly and he yeah. played it and he liked it. <laughs> <No> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that was yeah. pretty wild. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's definitely a, a big difference from our earlier days mm. to now. It's definitely, it's cooler, man. 
it's a lot of bigger opportunities we've gotten. Mm-hmm. You have anything? Uh, I mean, yeah, we've basically gone to playing shows to like five people. And to yeah. last last Saturday, we just played a sold out show at the Paramount. Yeah, it was like four hundred plus people. So yeah. like, oh wow, yeah, we've experienced all aspects of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been through it all, man. Yeah, the fucking um, sorry, can I cuss? No, huh? sorry, sorry not, about that. No, it's okay. Don't worry. Sorry. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. Uh, uh, but, sorry. <laughs> don't worry. But what's it called? Uh, yeah, we just experienced all aspects of it, and uh, I guess that's kind of like our mentality too, like. We know what we've been through. We know how hard we worked. Yeah, to yeah, man. It, it was it was definitely like difficult, you know, um, because yeah, man. Like like you know, we said before, like there was uh, a lot of times where we were overshadowed by, you know, other bands. But you know, we just didn't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. We worked and worked until we got those opportunities. And like for example, you know, um, we're playing Nothing Fest uh, in October, and uh, that was something we've been wanting to do for a long time, mm-hmm. like There's from a- when we started. Yeah, there's a bunch of other bands there, too. Yeah, like bigger bands, you know? So, um, you know, and I was kind of like, you know, sending them our music, DMing Mm -hmm. them every once in a while. So um, it was like, you know, when they offered, um, you know, the the slot, you know, it was like, finally. You know? (laughs) You made it. Yeah, it was cool. We got left on red a lot. A lot, a lot. By many, many people, man. Um, And... uh, you know, the Paramount was definitely a big goal of ours, too, you know, because I live down the street from the Paramount. So every time I saw it, you know, it's like, damn, I'm going to mm-hmm. play there one day. Yeah. You know? And, uh, <laughs> you know, thank you to the boys in Archero for giving us that opportunity. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And uh, your new debut album, Heart, Heart Therapy, can you tell us about, like, the process of creating it? It was long, my boy. Yeah, it was two years, like officially making the album. But some of the songs on there date back to like three, four years back. Cause I have videos of us playing Nada Que Pedirte from like twenty nineteen. Oh, yeah, you know, and um, and uh, um, it's it's it was a long process mm-hmm. because um, we're we, super picky about every single. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Because it was our first record, official record, that we were going to be pushing. We really just wanted everything to be exactly how we wanted it to be. Like, no uh, no second thoughts about yeah. anything. Like, yeah. So, but <laughs> because we were like that, it took uh, it took pretty long, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was like a good two-year process because, um, you know, uh, yeah, we didn't want to give, like, you know, you know, we didn't want to give, like, you know, half-assed songs. We wanted to give you, you know, we wanted to give our listeners, you know, the the best of the best, you know, that we mm-hmm. can give. So um, this production, uh, the way it sounds, it's so it's so clean. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's like fresh sounding, you know. It's like just new, yeah. you know. And I think over over that time, we've become like you know better songwriters, um, sure. better composers, and you know, I myself. I think, you know, I did a pretty good job at the lyrics, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, like, it's it's just... It, that record, I think everyone's going to love it. You know, I don't have a doubt in my mind that people are going to be like, you know, oh, I just like one song from the record. I think all those songs have, like, uh, you know, um, how would I say the... the What's that word? <laughs> I forgot the word. It's, it was like, I forgot it was, uh, <laughs> You know, it has the potential. There mm-hmm. you go. Potential yeah. of all of them being like singles. Yeah. You know, um, 
we've showed it to you know a few of our friends you know early and they really like the record yeah i mean you guys worked really hard for it to be honest yeah man it was <laughs> it was uh it was it was you know yeah. we broke a sweat on it and uh <laughs> You know, because, yeah, there was a lot of times where we thought the song was done mm -hmm. and we ended up changing our mind. Back to the drawing board. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. We're scrapping because complete songs. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. We've written like 25 songs in that process, right? Mm -hmm. Like about. And mm -hmm. uh, we scrapped it down to 10, oh, you wow. know. And um, uh, what's it called? And, well, yeah, man, like, you know, I think these songs definitely, you know, I mean, if you guys have heard Choices and, you know, our latest yeah, single, Solo Hay Momentos. You know, that's just mm -hmm. a little aspect of it. But once you hear the whole record, once that needle drops, man, you're going <laughs> to... Yeah, man, it's different. You, I, you guys are going to love it, man. Trust. I'm sure I will. Yeah. <laughs> and do you guys have any upcoming shows besides uh, the festival? Oh, besides oh, well, <laughs> the festival. Yeah, that, that's pretty much the only one we yeah. have so far. Yeah. Um, because we... we we're are, trying to get people to pull up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've noticed that when we take a little bit of gaps, you know, uh, especially, like, when it comes to, you know, performances, mm -hmm. uh, people tend to show up more, you know? And I realized that, you know, we became... We got to a level where we can't play super consistently because I feel, you know... I could be wrong, but I feel like people won't show up. Mm -hmm. But, sorry. Um, you know, I could be wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. but we're for sure also planning to throw like an album release show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're just we're still planning that and whatnot. But yeah. <laughs> right now, Nothing Fest is yeah. uh, is the only is one. The, yeah. The big one. And uh, well, because you know we wanted to uh, bring a lot of attention to that, especially because I feel like people know that that was a long time coming too. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have more merch. We're going to be stocked up. You know, <laughs> our album's going to drop the week after, you know, or the, the week, week before, before Nothing Fest. Yeah, mm -hmm. So you know, we're going to find some new material. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Some big changes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's um, it's it's it's, it's going to be special, man. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, everyone's going to have a good time, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they will. Yeah, yeah. What's the band's, like, biggest goal? Do you have a goal? As far as we can take it. As far <laughs> as we can take it, man, yeah. Like, I mean, you know... Personally, like, my dream someday is to, you know, have a platinum record, you mm -hmm. know, um, go on a world tour, you know, things like that, yeah. you know. Just tour outside of the U.S., yeah. tour the U.S., period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, play for bigger bands, mm -hmm. you know. Um, what, what's a band you would want to open for? Uh, the Chili Peppers. Would be cool. <laughs> Chili Peppers be would tight. be cool. Yeah, that would be tight. Yeah, the Strokes, that would oh, be cool. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Phoenix, <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Yeah, man. Two door, two door, two door, wallows. <laughs> yeah, those those that that type of thing, you know, yeah. like you know, do do a lot with the music, you know, mm -hmm. take it as far as we can, man. I'm yeah. sure you guys are gonna make it. You're you're really persistent people. Some hard Thanks, work. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. yeah. And lastly, what makes you guys proud of your heritage? Oof. Well, the fact that you know our heritage is very, you know, like like we said before, we're very hardworking. Mm -hmm. Um. Oh. One minute. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, like we said before, you know, our heritage is very, you know, hardworking. You know, um, we just uh, do what we got to do to survive, you know. Um, and I it, guess we're, I'm, I mean, we're all proud of, like, being in this band. And yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Of brown skin, you know, yeah. playing these shows. Yeah. trying to get our name out there yeah because mm. i think the world just needs you know it just needs more of that in general <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's why we started making more music in spanish mm -hmm. because it's like you know what we speak the language let's 
make music you know we're musicians let's embrace yeah, it yeah we, you know we played all those cover songs of spanish right? yeah yeah <laughs> you know how to write spanish right yeah now. yeah we, we and picked up some things over there. yeah and well you know i mean i have the flag tatted on me oh, wow. i'm very i'm very proud <laughs> of it you know um i went to mexico recently and i loved the way everybody was just uh you know they weren't worried about what you know anyone else was doing everyone was just very much about their hustle how they're gonna make their 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 you know their mm-hmm. vessel you know and uh, I, I feel like a lot of those people that came here brought that here. And, you know, like I said before, you know, we saw our parents hustle, you know, uh, working hard to raise us. And that's one thing, you know, that uh, our parents, I could say, you know, influence everyone in the band to just keep going. Echando yeah. ganas, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, that, that's pretty much it, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, our parents are some pretty hardworking people. <laughs> yeah, man, they really were. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, guys. For sure, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us, man. It's fun. Yeah. Okay. Thank you guys so much. Um, think that was an incredible and interesting interview. Good job, Ethan. I learned so much about the band, and y'all should definitely check out their songs and their upcoming album once it releases. And once again, that was the Ear Ringers. Okay. So up next, we have Elianet Romero. Elianet is a first-generation Latina focused on uplifting underserved communities of colors through public affairs and strategic community strategies. She is passionate about public advocacy and firmly believes in the power of storytelling. She graduated from the University of California, Irvine in 2019 and got her degree in political studies and international studies. She is also the co-founder of of Las Niñas Fresitas, which also provides affordable desserts to low-income communities. She aspires to be a practicing attorney one day to uplift communities of color. Hi, Elianette. Thank you so much for being here. We're excited to highlight all that you do. So how are you doing today? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm doing great today. Okay. <laughs> okay, so first off, I just want to say I love the name of the business. I'm assuming it comes from this song. Is that correct? Yeah, it okay. does. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what made you go into the direction of choosing that name? Yeah, so there's like a funny story behind Latinas Fresitas. So back in high school, I used to be in a Coporico for a year. Uh-huh. And the song, that was the first time I actually ever heard it. Mm-hmm. We had to do a dance. And I just loved the song itself. And then like the meaning of Niñas Fresitas is like something that we're actually not. Like a Niña Fresa. Yeah. But we love the, like, the name of it and how it's such a rich, like beautiful, like how do I explain it? Like it kind of resonates with what we saw in mm-hmm. general. So that's kind of why we chose it in the first place. Mm, that's really interesting. <laughs> okay, so can you tell me more about your strawberry business and who did you start it with and how did you guys decide to start up a business? Yeah, so a little bit about our business is that it launched back like around 2020 around the summertime. Mm-hmm. So back in 2020 when everything was shut down, like it was kind of hard to get desserts and we wanted to kind of opened up a business because each time we wanted to like get desserts for like family members because of parties or yeah. like, birthdays um they were either really expensive um or they weren't local to the area and so me and my best friend her name is elijah um, we decided to start a business mostly because one we like to both be creatives together mm-hmm. and two it kind of gave us like an excuse to provide like low-income strawberries to like the local community mm-hmm. um and also mainly because at the time I was looking for a lot of vegan options since a lot of my uh, friends and family um, are vegan. Mm-hmm. You didn't find a lot of vendors that did vegan options, so we decided that we would be different in that way, that we would provide a vegan chocolate-covered strawberry 
Um, usually when you're look- looking for vegan options, you're kind of like limited to what you can buy. Mm-hmm. So we try our best to make sure that if someone is vegan like and they want a certain design, that we make it possible for them. So we go out to like um, the warehouses in downtown or like sometimes we drive all the way to like West Covina to get some supplies just so that make sure that we get the vegan supplies that they want and also like they're satisfied at the end. Yeah, that yeah. is really interesting. I feel like for vegans here in like Boyle Heights or for Mexicans, it's like so hard to tailor to what they want because mm-hmm. i don't know it's so like un um not common right yeah definitely not common so yeah. that's why we started it so yeah we sell non-vegan options and then we sell like vegan options but typically we like to sell them at um, pop-ups mm-hmm. because usually at pop-ups where you see desserts you don't see a lot of vegan options either and i feel like our local community there's not a lot of options that they offer so we try to be that one small business that does offer it yeah Okay, so since you mentioned, like, Mm pop-ups, I'm, like, so curious on how it works. Like, what's the process behind, like, preparing for that? For a pop-up? Yeah. Yeah, so from the initial process, it's me just getting selected to be part of a Mm pop-up. Usually, um, my friend and I kind of discovered through Instagram to see if there's any Mm -hmm. pop-up vendors accepting um, new local community vendors to show up. And so we sign up through there, and then the process itself, we kind of take like a week or so we're gonna have depending on what we're gonna sell to go Mm -hmm. get our whole product and it's kind of like a bit busy bees for like two days straight just making strawberries making sure that they're fresh Mm -hmm. and making sure that they're kept in a cool storage so we have a pop-up actually coming up um next weekend and since it's hot we have to find like a refrigerator where Mm -hmm. we can keep everything fresh and cool and also get the supplies and so forth so i guess the process itself kind of depends on when the pop-up is so, like, the one that we are doing next week, we found out about it, like, three weeks ago. So, kind of, like, in a month in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, th- we usually don't plan them ahead because pop-ups come and go and change all the time. Um, but that's kind of how we get connected, like, through the community. Um, sometimes through Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. sometimes Facebook. Or just friends that, like, host them around, they kind of just reach out to us to see yeah. if we want to be vendors. Um, do, like, the pop-ups help with, like, the revenue? Yeah, so it helps out um, revenue-wise just because we kind of use it as a side hustle. Mm. Um, Back to, like, when we started back in 2020, um, me and my best friend were, like, struggling financially. So at least for myself, I had received a pay cut on my job, so I was trying to make up that extra income to meet rent. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, we had the goal, like, we want to make them affordable because we know, like, there's people like us who want to buy affordable things, Mm -hmm. but sometimes we're we're not able to. And so that's kind of where this side hustle started and so now what we're doing we actually like save the money that we make um so that in the future we actually aspire to make the business into a coffee shop so we can sell like um coffee and strawberries at the same time mm-hmm. um but yeah so that's kind of where the revenue goes we kind of just save it and we also replenish like everything that we invested for the supplies and so forth that is so cool mm-hmm. what like made you want to open up a coffee shop so Essentially, when I was like a younger, younger teen, <laughs> uh, I would drink coffee all the time. Mm-hmm. My best friend drink coffee all the time. But one thing that we found is that there was not a lot of like options around us locally because one, we didn't drive, and two, like the nearest one was Starbucks. So what we wanted to start a coffee shop that was one really local to us, and two that wasn't like corporate chained. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of like a idea that we have down the line to do it, and so. We hope that one day we can open it within the Boyle Heights community, and that way it's like local to like local high schoolers because we were once a high school student. Um, and I know like nowadays you see a lot of like college students like working at coffee shops or studying, 
But at least I think where I went to high school, I feel like the high school itself was really unique. That I saw a lot of the students there that would like study at the, like the Keck Medical Center, or they would study mm. at like the local Starbucks. And I don't think a lot of people that I knew that didn't go to that school did that. So we want to create like a community hub so that people could come and study and do what they need to do. Yeah, that is so cool. I love that. Okay, so um, have you faced any struggles as a Latina small business owner? Yeah, so one of the biggest struggles that we face is actually access to capital. So 75% of our um, the money that we get to invest in the business, like it kind of goes back into what we used it to buy the supplies. And it's kind of hard to always tap into your savings and like having to try to start a business when you're using your savings at the same time. Mm-hmm. And because we're not, I guess, as Latinos, you're not really like well-versed on your access to capital options. Like, yes, you can go to your Wells Fargo and your Bank of America, but typically those loans aren't set for you to be successful. They kind of just drown you in debt. So that's one thing me and my business partner have been looking into, like, eventually down the line um, to get a small business loan, but that's in our favor and not, like, kind of predatory. So that's one thing that we've been facing. And then, two, I think just getting, like, the word of mouth out, um, because we do work full-time jobs. It's kind Mm -hmm. of hard to balance everything all at the same time. Um, And I know, like, we sometimes promote it, like, on Instagram or we try to make TikToks, but I think it's just having that, like, education on how to do that. Um, It's something that we've struggled to find in general yeah okay that's really cool what are some ways you think more people can support their local small businesses yeah so this is a great question um and i think it's really necessary for everybody to know like even if you're not gonna buy a simple like repost or like Mm -hmm. retreat or reshare or just sending it to your friends it helps out a lot because you never know who's looking on the other side um, and I've heard it before, like, well, my platform isn't big enough, and it's like it doesn't need to be big enough. As long as you have, like, a following and there's people who are watching, like, there are ten out of, nine out of ten times, they'll probably share it or they'll show up or they'll buy something. And that's kind of how we've gotten a few customers down the line that they saw it on someone's story and they reached out and they placed orders. Mm-hmm. So it really helps us when people reshare our content, um, whether it's, like I said, retweet, uh, putting on your story, or just simply resharing a TikTok. I think it goes down the line like it really helps out a lot yeah okay um so what advice do you have for other latinx folks who want to start a business but are really feeling like kind of nervous or scared yeah so this is a great question too because i was like feeling the same way and Mm -hmm. one thing that made me feel more comfortable is actually reaching out to my best friend to see if she would be down to join me so my advice would be like if you're scared to do it by yourself nine out of ten chances that there's someone within your group of friends or family that are willing to start that business with you and support mm-hmm. you um so i would say like getting a business partner would really help someone that you really trust and that you can see yourself growing the business with and whatever you have as an idea um no idea is too big nor too small i think in the society that we live in there have been people who have been making like let's say tiktoks and then they blew up and mm-hmm. i think it's the same thing with the business as long as you believe in yourself and your what you're bringing out to the table then your business will speak for itself yeah that is so true so i know that you hope to be an attorney one day right okay so what inspired you to pursue that yeah so what inspired me to become an attorney was essentially my experience in corporate america Mm -hmm. um so i graduated back in 2019 that was like prior to the pandemic and prior to the pandemic i was still going into the office still doing how it typically looked once you graduated being in an entry-level role but once the pandemic happened, um, the job that I was at, like everyone received a pay cut. Um, and at the time, I wasn't really fully versed on like what was legal, what wasn't legal. So I started journaling um, just my experiences so that I can know like 
how this job made me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, it's kind of like a coping mechanism because under one, there's a whole pandemic, and two, you still have to be working, and that was hard. And through that, I was able to find that, like, through my own journaling experience, that I was actually getting robbed of a lot of money that I was supposed to be making. Mm-hmm. And I think as Latinos, you're kind of conditioned to just listen to your boss and be grateful that you have a job and not really question it. Um, and I think for a long time, I did do that. But what made me, like, stand up for myself was the fact that, like, I kind of thought to myself that, yes, we are instilled to respect your employer, but this employer that no one instills in them to respect your employee Mm -hmm. and so I took it upon myself to like sue my employer and I won um and that motivated me to like be that person who advocates for someone who looks like me and sounds like me down the line Mm -hmm. that it's okay that if you feel like you're you're small but you're not you're you have so much power in your voice and when you tell your story that you have to bring to the table and so that's kind of what inspired me to go to law school to do like an employment law route Mm-hmm. So I can be on the side of the plaintiff who's always being screwed over with like either wages or how you're being treated in the workplace, especially uh, since corporate America, as I learned, isn't positioned for people of color, unfortunately. It's very like white male dominated. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a white male, like it's 10 times harder for you to move up the ranks and be equally paid. Yeah. And so that's what inspired me to go to law school just for my own advocacy and like what I experienced. Are you in law school right now? No, I'm actually applying in the fall. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really interesting. Um, I think it's also, like, such an inspirational way to flip the switch, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that is so cool. I love that. So, do you know, like, how you're going to manage to do both, like, your business and also go to school? Yeah, so my journey to law school has been kind of a whirlwind because, one, we faced a pandemic, and now we're back into, like, this new normal And so in that transition, I was studying for my LSAT, running my business, and still working a Mm full-time job. And I think what's helped me really, like, get my stuff straight is just journaling and putting everything on an agenda. And I feel with law school, like, that's going to be, like, 100% of my time, school-wise and work-wise. But on the side, I will still have my side business because I do believe in it, and I want to be able to see what I learned in law school, and I can apply it to my business. So, yeah. I love that. (laughs) Okay, is there anything else you would like to add? I would say that a piece of advice for everybody who's watching and listening would be to just always believe in yourself and to not let others um, make you feel like you're not good enough. Mm, Period. Okay, and then just this last question really quick. So what makes you proud of your heritage? Oh my god, I love this question. (laughs) Uh, I think as, like, the whole Hispanic Heritage Month, I think we're so well diverse, like, Everybody has something to be proud of, um, no matter what part you're from. I think everybody brings, like, rich culture. And I think for me, I love how deep down everybody that I've met within my culture has been humble. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that's something that I appreciate a lot, that, like, no matter whether you're family or not, you kind of get treated like family. Um, And that's one thing that I appreciate, that no matter who I go to for help, like, they're always willing to help out. And I remember that and I bring it back to myself and I remember like oh I remember when so-and-so helped me like if they ever need help I'll be there for you mm-hmm. I also like how there's like great food great music yeah and I think all of us are deeply proud of our culture um I know like at least here in Boyle Heights like we're fighting back gen- gentrification because we want to keep our culture mm-hmm. and I think as a community we kind of forget the differences that we may have but we all unite in this one thing to keep our culture intact yeah, I love that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, so thank you so much, Eliane. You're such an inspiration, and I think we can all appreciate your willingness and determination to make change. And for those 
who are listening, go support their business at Las Niñas Fresitas on Instagram. And in order to keep the community thriving, it's important to make some time to celebrate and support Latinx owner owned businesses this Hispanic Heritage Month. And also, most importantly, do not forget that you can and should continue to support them every day, not just through October 15th. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> okay, so tell me what it was like to do your first like podcast interview. <laughs> well... It was something. It was it was fun. I loved it actually. At first, I was a bit nervous, but after mm -hmm. time, it's just like a normal conversation. Yeah. And it was good. It was very hot in this room, so yeah, I was kind of sweaty the whole time. It was a really good time with Miguel and Daniel, and there was definitely a connection. Yeah. Like I just sitting on the side, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I love mm -hmm. talking about music, so I feel like with music, it's a it's a little bit easier, huh? Yeah, and they had they had some great answers and. I just loved hearing from them yeah. and how they're so hard. They're such hardworking people, that band. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to hear, like, some of their music. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I haven't listened, but now I definitely will, and you guys should, too. Yeah, I definitely think you guys should, too. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite song? Um, Choices, probably. Choices? He talked about it on the interview when I was interviewing him, but that was that's a really good song, and I think you guys should all listen to it. Okay, thank <laughs> you for that. So oh, yes. now, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our guest speaker. And that's a wrap for our Radio Puso podcast. And thanks so much for listening. I'm Ethan Fernandez. And I'm April Aguilera. If you want to pitch us an idea for the radio show or our newspaper, send us an email at borrowheightsbeat at gmail.com. That's borrowheightsbeat at gmail.com. We love to hear from all of you as we pride ourselves in offering noticias por y para la comunidad. Or we even love to have you on our show. Y'all should also make sure to check us out on social media to stay up to date. You can follow our Radio Pulso IG account at triple R-A-D-I-O-P-U-L-S-O, which is just Radio Pulso with three R's. <laughs> and thank you so much to the people that make Boho be possible, especially Chris Kelly and Antonio Mejia-Rentas. A huge thank you to our radio producer, Jackie Ramirez, and to Adrian Casillas for engineering the show today. You'll hear from us next week. I mean, next... You'll hear from us next in the upcoming month of October for some spooky stories. Don't forget to tune in. Until then, Sweta Boyo Heights. Nos vemos en la calle.